1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the weekly preview here on Roto Grinders with TJ and the Looch. What's up, TJ Lacek? How are you, man?
2: How we doing? Doing all right. You know, fresh off a super exciting Sunday night football game with the Eagles and just a high-powered shootout. Um, that was a pretty ugly game overall, but uh, yeah, another another week of NFL DFS in the books. guess we're pretty much at the halfway point now of the regular season, at least and wasn't my my personal best weekend got got caught with Jimmy G and cash games which is pretty much a guaranteed loss had some some late swaps that I debated but decided not to go forward with and so there there it is not not my best week how about yourself how you doing uh hanging in man
1: i Sometimes we just, you know, we talked about it. You feel like you don't get paid when you have really good lineups. and There's no margin for error in DFS world. I cashed about half of my cash game teams. I also had Jimmy and cash who was like 60% owned and some double ups. It's crazy. You see these projected ownerships and he kind of has to take them with a grain of salt and the most popular plays are almost guaranteed to be even higher owned in most things. So, uh, but how can these sites stick their neck down and predict, you know, Garoppolo going for 80%, right? I mean, he just, he kind of just can't, Like, I, I get it. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, those are two big injuries we'll talk about. The Niners just keep getting crushed this year. But I played two higher stakes, I guess, kind of tournament teams. You can call them two $200 single-entry lineups on DK. Um, I bubbled one of them. I, I played Joe, a Joe Burrow stack and ran it back with A.J. Brown and had a couple other pieces there. Had Dalvin Cook on it. Didn't cash. Ultra bummer. I knew I was playing two teams. I know I wanted Dalvin Cook exposure somewhere. So uh, my problem was I know I also wanted Henry on one of the teams, TJ. So I ran my Bengals stack back with A.J. Brown because I thought I would get some leverage there like an idiot. And I should have stuck Henry there because the other team I ran finished 12th in the uh, 200 SE uh, on DK with uh, 555 people. I think it was kind of like one of those later ads they opened up. Uh, Yeah, 183 points. But I stuck Henry in there with my Mahomes-Tyreek Hill team. Instead of Dalvin Cook, I also had Metcalf and uh, correlated it back with Kendrick Bourne. So uh, I'm hurting a little bit, you know. One, you know, you always one swap away. I know, famous last words, nobody cares. But I was close, man. But oh, I I, cool. I made 600 bucks and finished 12th out of 555, and the winner got 20k. Woo! Should have just played cash games. Not worth the risk. But here we are. So kind of disappointed myself, and the NFL just. Keeps proving to be wacky and gives us twists and turns. And yeah, Jimmy G and Kittle, TJ. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on that? And Molin's coming in.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, going into the week, I think that the San Francisco Seattle game was one of the the more popular games, and a lot of the the talk throughout the industry and in cash games was deciding between the two quarterbacks there between Jimmy G and Russell Wilson and. Just seemed like a, a great value spot, and I mean, it really would have been right if, if Garoppolo didn't get hurt. I think Mullins came in and threw for like two hundred yards or something toward the end, and, and somewhat of garbage time trying to play catch up. But you know, it's just the the way it goes sometimes. And yeah, there was a there was a three v three swap where the lineup I had, and I think quite a few other people had, it was Garoppolo, it was Tyler Lockett. And there's a third person there. And then the other line I've had, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, oh, and Bourne. And so it was Keenan Allen versus Kendrick Bourne. So, yeah, there's like a 60-point difference in those two lineups. But I think that that goes to show, you know, as you're, you're monitoring your lineups throughout the day, should always be thinking about late swap, considering your position and where you are relative to the field. It's something that, something that I always think about, but I don't know if I – pull the trigger on it enough personally if i'm being honest right i think that you know you want to convince yourself that okay maybe i'm not off to a great start but i'm still doing fine and so i think that i'll personally be doing a little bit of reflection on that and you know maybe i was in more of a desperate situation than i than i thought i was but uh yeah those those folks that that swapped off of you know, like a Lockett to a Metcalf obviously really, really paid dividends with, with Metcalf having the big game.
1: We Talked about how crazy it was that Tyler Lockett saw 20 targets last week. Well, two weeks ago now. And Metcalf saw a pedestrian 15 against the Niners. So guessing game. It's a guessing game. And their ownerships were close. I thought maybe we'd get a little bit more leverage on Metcalf. But he came in. I think He was maybe like 24, 25% in my single entries. Metcalf, that is so not much there. Chris Carson did not play, um, and uh, the news on the Niners side was Tevin Coleman was active for the first time. For the first time this season, or uh, the season feels like eight seasons. I don't know. It's been a while for Tevin. In a while, yeah, yeah. So he he came back. Um, so injury wise, you know, wasn't a ton of other action for once across the league. Not a lot of huge news to talk about which is good because we've had way too much going on. And with the trade deadline co- Tuesday, uh, there might even be some more, uh, some more cards shuffling around across the league. A couple big trades on Monday, but defensive side of things. The Titans getting Desmond King. Thank God. Help is on the way. And uh, Quan Alexander going to New Orleans from the Niners, I believe that was too. So those are the two deals that I saw, and we'll see what else shakes out but your eagles getting a hey when's the a win tj When's a win um are they on by next week
2: uh, you know what i think they
1: are i think they are so maybe they need a maybe they need have a much needed buy. i feel like they're always hurt like what's up with the nutrition personnel on the it's eagles? been like it's been like
2: years of being of going through injuries right uh there's it's almost been happening for too long to call it uh being unlucky yeah maybe they need to to reevaluate their nutrition and their workout schedules because (laughs) they can't quite seem to stay healthy it's good to see Jalen Rieger back last night though thought that he made a couple nice plays we had Goddard back so overall obviously the Eagles are not not very explosive team and not the most exciting team to watch as someone who who has watched the majority of their games so far this season but Happen to have the, I guess the, the the right division placement for this season, as the, the NFC East is just a complete dumpster fire at this point. And I mean, Dallas looked horrible. I, we were, I was joking before the show. It's like when you have to attempt to run trip, double, triple reverses like five different times. I think you're you're clearly you're reaching digging pretty deep into the playbook there. And uh, it, it's like they wanted the ball to be in anyone's hands, but I don't remember. Everybody's name he uh the Nucci. Huh? yeah. the Nucci, and then now we have 6600 zeke elliot this week and still don't want to play him i mean I, it's crazy right you, you, i never would have predicted that zeke elliot would be priced that low and not only be priced that low but uh, i think that that people aren't going to want to play him and for good reason there's just sure he, he got the ball plenty but teams can easily just sell out to try and stop him on the ground against the Cowboys and I just don't don't see that offense it's a shame because they're one of the more fantasy friendly offenses coming into the season and now that that's pretty much become irrelevant with not only Dak going down but not even having a, a true NFL backup anymore
1: yeah DiNucci man 21 of 40 just any takeaway from that game I think he has a favorite receiver in Michael Gallup who had 12 targets Cooper had five, Ceedee Lamb had five. You're thinking, wow, that that's a lot of pass attempts, forty. Well, they're probably going to continue to get the game script of throwing the ball, which which doesn't bode well for for Dallas and company. I'd be shocked if Jerry didn't unload a piece or two before the deadline. I, we'll see what happens. And he's stubborn, and they're America's team, right? And they got you know, gotta put the best product out on the field. Well, I don't think there's much going on there. And you know, we'll transition into next week. We're gonna talk about chalk defenses. Dallas is going to take on Pittsburgh. I knew there was one more deal who just picked up Avery Williamson from the Jets today, I believe. I don't know if that's official yet, but I saw a bunch of tweets and Avery Williamson was tweeting about it. So the rich get richer in Pittsburgh there. They're going to travel to Jerry's world to play a four o'clock game against Dallas. So I couldn't even put a finger on what the Pittsburgh Steelers Ownership is the price be... all the way
2: up at forty nine hundred. Oh, wow, pricing That's... on DK at least. Interesting. So you gotta, you, gotta you have to pay for them, but uh, yeah, I mean you've got one of the <laughs> one of the elite defenses in the league going up against obviously one of the worst, if not the worst, offense right now. Just given the quarterback situation in Dallas,
1: for sure. And, and James Conner hasn't lit up the stat sheet, but he's had. So he had a really bad week one. Then he had 23, 27, 15, 20, 14, 15 DK points. So I'm curious to see what his ownership is on a week where we have Chase Edmonds as a feature back. We have Dalvin Cook against Detroit, which we'll get to. It's going to be fun fun and what a game that could have been if everybody was healthy Steelers in Dallas but unfortunately I don't even have a line out on that game yet we'll have to see what Vegas and we're probably looking at a double digit spread here I'm assuming if the Eagles were what 10.5 points yeah, yesterday you might so.
2: see a two touchdown type spread I would think but yeah I don't I don't have a an opening line here either but yeah I mean I think of the running back position this week like you said I think obviously Dalvin Cook had his massive massive game coming back from injury going for 51 DK points this 51. week. One This week they get Detroit at home, who we know has been torn up a bit by some running backs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that Dalvin is certainly going to be a play to look at. And you look at his games, other than the two he missed, he's been extremely consistent. I mean, he's getting tons of volume. 30 17 27 22 carries goes back even more than that and he has what 11 touchdowns yeah 11 touchdowns in 6 games so i mean i think that dalvin is going to be the the premier pay up option on this slate 8200 plenty of reasonable price that we can get him in no kamara on the slate Derrick henry matchup against chicago not not the greatest uh, i'm assuming prefer dalvin cook over Henry as the the top play there, and then, yeah. Any anything else that that you have to say on the the Dalvin Cook front, or, or maybe this? I mean, this Minnesota Detroit game could be a good one in general, right? We got a fifty three and a half point total. Like I said, Minnesota four point favorites, but I think that there's some mini mini game stack potential there. Although I think Dalvin's going to be my primary interest.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Thirty carries coming off an injury. Kirk Cousins only threw fourteen passes. The weather threw some people off that game a little bit, at least in the passing game. You had Thielen and Jefferson coming in, I believe, at around 5%. Um, And regardless, Aaron Rodgers just chugged along, 290 yards, three touchdowns, fine. Jamal Williams, one of the chalk options, 75 rushing yards, six catches for 27. He was fine for cash. E.J. Dillon tested positive for COVID. That's some more news we had. And as well, Devontae Adams, just seven catches for 53 yards. Three of them were touchdowns. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Incredible. Incredible. And he had 12 targets. So I think weather was a big key for a lot of people. It's the first week we really saw a lot of buzz about weather, and rightfully so. And we'll get to weather in a second because I want to talk about another game with another very chalky running back. Update I don't have is on Kenny Galladay, and I, I'm pretty sure he left the game Sunday, TJ, at some point.
2: Yes, that's correct. I, I believe that I saw he's going to be out this week. Within and he's considered son. week to week. So That's
1: pretty big news.
2: Uh, yep. Poor Kenny Galladay, man. Guy's a monster. He is not expected to play and is considered week to week.
1: He had four targets that game, obviously left at some point, and uh, Detroit had a pass-heavy game script. You saw Hawkinson with ten targets, Marvin Jones with seven. <laughs> Three catches and two touchdowns for Marvin Jones. Typical Marvin Jones game, three for 39 and two scored. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, yeah, there could be some interest there and some usage bumps with these Lions guys for sure. How about Cleveland and, and the Raiders last week? The win was absolutely brutal. I don't know why I didn't pound the under when I saw the videos of the people walking into the stadium and they couldn't even stand upright walking in. But Kareem Hunt was a big chalk option. He was damn near 80% in some double-ups on DK. Crazy. Uh, Him and Jamal were probably the two most popular cash plays on DK. Running back, right? Am I missing anybody? Henry was pretty popular, but not not that high.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the two most popular were, were Hunt and Jamal Williams. And then people tended to either pay up for Kamara or Henry as the third option to go along with those two. But so yeah, I mean, Hunt Hunt didn't have quite the usage that that we would have expected. Looks like he was still out in the field a bunch, if I'm seeing this correctly. 86% of the snaps, but only 14 carries, three targets, less than 10 DraftKings points. So pretty pretty big bust there when it felt, felt like going into the week that it was just such a, a slam dunk spot. And so, yeah, maybe the... The weather certainly plays a factor there, but I think Hunt definitely disappointed uh, a lot of people with his performance this past weekend.
1: Do you know how many snaps that was? It just looks like I'm curious. It looks like Oakland just controlled the clock, you know, controlled the ball. Jacobs had 31 carries for you know 4.1 yards a pop. So wow, I mean they had 45 yeah, rushes. 42 that be,
2: snaps for Hunt.
1: That's pretty low for a team, right? Oh so, yeah. I think it's so.
2: definitely on the lower end, especially, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, maybe maybe just in general, Cleveland just didn't have the ball. Just a, a slow, sloppy game yeah. overall, yeah. which is, you know, why we're always trying to, to find high pace, high scoring game environments, right? And I think that, you know, maybe, yeah, I would struggle a bit with the weather because it's like, at, at what point is it just noise and it's not actually going to impact the game versus. When do you truly determine that, okay, yes, this is enough to impact my decision making, and could it could have been obviously the the smart move to to come off of hunt there, but I, I expect that as we get into these winter months that we'll hear more and more weather narratives stir up each week as we uh, come into these games and, and start to get some of the the colder weather, the wind That's really I think the wind is really what has the biggest impact as we saw in that game.
1: Yeah, which is why I think Aaron Rodgers throwing from a string of yards in that Green Bay game was, was pretty impressive and what a season he continues to have. Um, it looks like the Browns are on by this week, if I'm correct on that, but the Raiders are playing the Chargers on the road in a 54 total as of right now and could be some points here. Could be some points. The Raiders love giving up points. Love it. They love it. I think they give up. I'm willing to throw out last week's game against Cleveland, but I think they gave up 30 points in every other game this year so far. So, are we going back to Justin Herbert? Is he going to be the chalk quarterback this week? 6,800 on DK. Kind of, you know, there's, what, five or six guys priced higher than him? Maybe more? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. And, uh, you know, you talked about Herbert a little bit to me before the show, and he's been nothing short of, a phenomenal for a rookie uh, what are your thoughts on Herbert and, and the Chargers offense in this spot
2: yeah I think it sets up sets up really nicely like you said tight total high pace game Vegas just loves giving up points and and Herbert has shown that he's kind of that has a little bit of that dual threat action had another 21 yards rushing on the ground this week so he's not not to the level of some of the other folks that we've seen but I think that he's very much in play here at 6,800. He's, he gets pretty close in price to to some of the other quarterbacks, but I mean, we're, we're starting to also see people like Josh Allen, people like Lamar Jackson, not quite put out massive fantasy games like we have been projecting. So I think that's something to keep in consideration. And I mean, I think, I think the the real slam dunk is Keenan Allen. I just think that his usage and target share is so massive that he has such a high floor and a high ceiling to go along with it, That especially on DraftKings. With the full PPR setup, I, I, I love Keenan Allen. Let's see, his last couple games, he, he got hurt one game, so we throw that one out. He's gotten 11, 13, 11, 19, 10 targets since – Herbert took over as quarterback. So literally double digit targets every single game for the most part, putting up, you know, in the 20, 25, has the upside for 30 DraftKings points. So his price is at seven K on DK this week. So it's creeping up a little bit, but but still I think he's a, a pretty good deal there. And the person that that I am most interested in on the charger side of the ball, granted, I'm sure he'll come with some ownership. But again, I think I think that floor that Keenan Allen has, you know, he, he almost has—he's almost like a Devonte Adams light in in some ways, where he has as locked in a, of a target share and a volume as any receiver in the league. Probably still one of the most
1: underrated guys in football at the position. Like you said, it's Herbert loves him, crazy amounts of targets, um, air yard market share, thirty-one percent this year for Allen. Mike Williams finally had a game last week. Touchdown, 90 some yards. Two of the last three weeks, Mike Williams has had forty plus percent of the air yard market share. Something to keep an eye on there. And I I just think the biggest loser so far has been Hunter Henry. You know, there's reasons to love him every week, especially with Herbert. The play calling's been better. You know, they're passing more in, in downs they'd usually be trying to run the ball. But Hunter Henry just not producing. Um his at his a dot is well under seven, man. If this is right on our premium usage app, his a dot in week eight was one point five. That's brutal. And he had like he had like seven or eight targets, I think, or something like that. Four. I'm sorry, he had four. My mistake. Quite the but, there. But yeah, I mean, he hasn't had more. He hasn't had ninety yards in a game this year, not once. Uh he's one of those guys where, until proven otherwise, I'm. I'm gonna keep playing Keenan Allen and and you know in smaller field stuff and cash games for sure. And he carried a lot of ownership and double ups this week too. And yep. next week he he probably will be, you know, if everything stands as is, I would guess maybe the highest owned receiver in cash games with just a guessing and eyeballing. Yeah, slam dunk, Keenan Allen. So good good start since Herbert's been taking over here. Love, love what I see there. So could be some some good, decent fantasy points there um at the four o'clock game Um, there's one more four o'clock game we might as well cover it some really good ones this week Tua is going to take on Kyler and how about the Dolphins what a weird game the Dolphins defense broke the Millie Makers on both sites probably I didn't check DK but um you know 20 something plus points they were damn near min price and just uh, a big outlier you don't see that production from a defense like that and it just shows you the volatility of of picking your defense and you know some some strategies are just kind of play whoever fits as long as it's not too ridiculous so what do you think about Dolphins Cardinals and what do you think about the Miami game against the Rams
2: yeah like you said it's always (laughs) it's always tough when a defense kind of breaks the slate early um, with with the two touchdowns by Miami D so definitely saw Saw so teams with Miami, especially on DraftKings, where the Miami D price just kind of made sense. I think they saw them at like 10 to 15 percent ownership in some tournaments there. So, I, and I and I think that's also when we're picking defenses, right? I think it, it it's the most unpredictable and, and volatile position. So it makes sense to try and get exposure to defenses that are maybe not going to be as high owned because all it comes down to is, is those touchdowns or, you know, a kick return, punt return type of thing. That's when you're really going get, to get big points on the board. So, yeah, that, that you know, just kind, of, just kind of have to have the, the luck bounce your way with getting those different exposures. But, yeah, this, I, I'm a little bit surprised to see that the total, and this one's only 48. I, I would have, if you would have asked me without looking, I, I would have assumed that Arizona-Miami would, would be over 50. I think that, this is the first time now that we have Arizona with no Kenyon Drake. So I expect Chase Edmonds to be highly talked about this week. It will be interesting to, to see and hear what their plan is and if there's anyone else that's going to be mixing in for snaps in that backfield. But I think that Edmonds is a, a talented player. They like to involve him in the pass game. He's going to be getting the early down work now too. I think that sets up really nicely in a Chase Edmonds spot. And then, I mean, Kyler, of course, always in play, brings that rushing upside to the table. He, he's pretty much their their goal line back a lot of the time as well with with some of those bootleg type runs that they like to run with him. So I, I think Kyler well in play. Edmonds, Hopkins, play all the. All the Cardinals, I think that that they're all strong plays almost any week, and I think that, you know, I don't mind this matchup here against Miami. You
1: know, lost in the sauce and Tua getting his first win here is the fact that he fumbled on the second play of the game, threw for a whopping 93 yards on 22 attempts, and didn't have any rushing yards. Well, I guess we need to see more. Some people thought the replacement might have been a little premature, taking Fitzpatrick away. You know, so other people are saying, "Oh, well, they had a plan when they drafted him." You know, let's see how it plays out. What are your initial thoughts after after seeing what what Sunday's performance was, and, and it wasn't much.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's almost too too early to judge. Like you said, yeah, I was just pulling up the target numbers and was wondering how the numbers were so small, but. Gaskin six targets, Preston Williams five targets. <laughs> no one else had more than two targets, so it really was just an outlier game, I think, because of those defensive touchdowns. And then Miami was just kind of sitting on the ball, I guess, from there, running it a bit with with Miles Gaskin had eighteen attempts on the ground, went for forty seven yards and a touchdown. So I think uh, you know the, the Gaskin Miami defense stack worked out reasonably. Not a, not a huge game for Gaskin, but. Yeah, I, I'll I'll reserve my judgment on Tua to see what what we have happen this coming week, but still just still a strange situation. I think that I was surprised with the Fitz benching to begin with, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes and and if he's going to be positioned to be this quarterback of the future for Miami, or uh, or if they made a big mistake throwing the talent on Fitz too early.
1: Should be fun the rest of the way monitoring that situation. A quarterback who had a much better line was Patrick Mahomes, who threw five touchdowns and 400 yards against the Jets. They had an incredible team total. I don't know why I didn't just play Mahomes on both of my teams. I was on him all week instead. I played stinking Joe Burrow against the stinking Tennessee Titans. But I'm glad I had one line with Mahomes. That was fun. In those games with a 90 point spread, you think, okay, well, you know, they're gonna have a game script. They're gonna run the ball, kind of thing. Oh, Edwards Hilaire had six carries, six, six carries. And this was kind of a close game up until halftime and they blew it open. So you think, okay, if Edwards Hilaire's not going to get the work in the second half, it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Oh, Le'Veon Bell revenge game, better offense, you know, six carries for Le'Veon Bell. They ran the ball 12 times. They scored over 30 points uh, and it was a lopsided game in the second half. But, you know, some of these drives uh, didn't last long. A lot of big plays. Tyreek had two scores. I know one was uh, pretty much a bomb. So, if you if you played the the leverage there and, and took, you know, Hilaire, who was projected under 5%, I don't know what he actually came in at, uh, you lost. Because for the second week in a row, you got nothing out of that backfield there, which just kind of another bizarre bizarre way the game kind of unfolded there. But, you know Mahomes after doing nothing the previous week um, in a weird game where they won by a lot, he just absolutely dismantled Adam Gase and the New York Jets.
2: Yep, yep. And you you look at a lot of the winning tournament teams from this past weekend, and it was it was Mahomes stacks and a lot of of triple stacks of Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey in the same lineup, which is obviously very expensive stack but the reason that that people were able to do that was because then they would run it back with one and sometimes two of the jets receivers in Denzel Mims and Braxton Berrios who were both i think 3200 and 3500 so you could mm-hmm. see how that became a reasonable thing to play Mahomes Kelsey Tyreek at at somewhat inflated prices but then be able to run it back cheaper on the other side And, I mean, it was a smart move, and not many people played the Chiefs. I think, like you said, we all had this assumption of, okay, it's a 20-point line. The Chiefs are just going to be content to to run the ball and take their victory, but they really had a breakout performance, and and now they sit 10.5-point favorites over Carolina this weekend. But I think it sets up well again as another nice game stack. We've been talking about Carolina pretty much all year Obviously, they have some appealing runback options, whether it be Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, assuming that McCaffrey is still not going to be out. So I think that Kansas City stacks are very much going to be in play again this weekend.
1: Agreed. And with how, with the lack of production you saw from the run game the last two weeks, you could probably still get Edwards Hilaire in a, a great matchup uh, with you know, with the Dalvin Cook performance and Chase Edmonds being relevant at a decent price, and James Conner, uh, you know, in a high team total, most likely in a favorable matchup, uh, Edwards Hilaire down a sixty-one hundred. Good lord! Um, but yeah, you nailed it. And and my DK team that that fared well. I, I had Mahomes at eight percent, you know, two hundred dollar SE with Tyreek at sixteen percent, um, and I had I had two one offs on that team. So I ran it back with Barrios to get some leverage off of Mims. There didn't really work out for me. I mean, the thought was there he had eight catches, only thirty-four yards though, you know. And like I said, I I, I correlated that you know with a little Chiefs two game two man two man game there. Um, I had Henry with the with the Titans D correlation, which didn't work out for me because I had more points than the Titans D, who had negative one against the Bengals. Yeah, I'll take the L there. I just thought with an entire new offensive line for Cincinnati that maybe Jadavian Clowney, maybe Vic Beasley, maybe Jonathan Simmons could could do something, and it didn't happen. But, yeah, uh, the Chiefs remained very low-owned. I was, I was shocked when I checked out the ownership projections kind of midweek last week, like going into Thursday, and I saw how low they were. Uh, granted, on FanDuel, Mahomes was a little more popular, even though he was a little more expensive. He was like 9,200, I believe. But I was like, man, I, I got to try and go overweight there. And you could be really right. And DFS and still be wrong and lose money. Um, I play 154 dollar lineups on Fanduel, and, and we won't even get into the debacle before lock at 12:30 Eastern on Fanduel. We won't even get into every week. It. Every week there's something now. We it's won't crazy. even get into it because I don't want to get fired. So uh, <laughs> I had 75 Mahomes teams, and I was overweight on Dalvin Cook, uh, and I had enough Devonte Adams, and you know I obviously had a lot of Tyreek and a ton of Kelsey, but. I just didn't have enough Miami D, you know, and rightfully so. Just couldn't, you know, had the stack set up. And if you get on over to the Roto Grinders guys, you wanna spit out multiple lineups. There's no better tool in the industry than using lineup HQ. You can really, really dive into the weeds and tell the optimizer what you want build different kinds of stacks you know from certain games and what percentages you want a you know a a full stack and if you just want if you want to run it back with nobody or run it back with one guy and what position you want it to be it's amazing it's amazing and you you put a little bit of time into it and and take some tips from from the rg team and it's really going to help you out but you know i made a lot of calls was way overweight on dalvin cook just you know if you don't finish in the top what Two, three percent, and anything you're not going to get a sick ROI. And when you're playing against six hundred thousand entries, you know the Dolphins can be one percent owned, and you know do the math with one percent of six hundred thousand, you're still going up against a ton of teams that have the Dolphins' defense. So uh, it's hard. The millie is what it is, and if you play large field GPPs, you got to be absolutely perfect. But, yeah, the Chiefs continue to, to do the thing. And I guess the news we're going to be have to wait and see on is, are we going to finally see Christian
2: McCaffrey, TJ? Yeah, it seems like it's it's definitely possible, right? It's a little up in the air still. It says they're hopeful that it will be activated from the IR. So, I think there there's going to first be a guessing game on whether or not he's playing. And then if he is, it's going to be a guessing game on, does he step right back into full Christian McCaffrey or – do they have some sort of split between him and Mike Davis? And uh, uh, I personally do not know enough right now to, to say one way or the other. I know that coach has come out and said that Mike Davis is going to still have a role. So my my personal assumption is that maybe McCaffrey comes back in, in more of a limited capacity or at least like some sort of 50-50 split. But I think that – there's no way to know for sure until, until they – we see it on the field. You know, coach speak can – sometimes you might just get yourself into trouble trying to read too much into it.
1: Jaguars, Texans, 51-and-a-half total. As of right now, Houston's favored by six and a half. Gardner Minshew will not play. Instead, we have Oregon State rookie Jake Luton. Are we saying Luton or Lutton? Are we Lutton or Luton? Tomato, tomato. I don't know.
2: I'm not sure,
1: but he's 4900 on DK. Oh. So I mean, we're gonna—he'll carry some ownership, right? People are gonna—some people are gonna play him. Forty—some people are like, "Wow, he's 4900, star man." But definitely worth noting. Um, and the Texans coming off a bye, so maybe there's like that lull of absolutely no recency bias in a great matchup. Texans defense, rookie quarterback—if he starts—interesting. Brandon Cook's still, what, 5,500 on DK? Mm, curious to see the ownerships here on, on the Houston guys, on the Houston potential stacks here. They could be – they typically are in play for GPPs, right? Every week we're pretty much bringing them up to some capacity. But, you know, nobody's talking about them coming off a buy. A lot of other news floating around the league and popular uh, plays coming about. So maybe the Texans might be a little under-owned. We'll see.
2: Yeah, could definitely see that. I think that people will be less likely to want to stack the game just because of the quarterback situation on the Jacksonville side. So I think that could drive down ownership on the, the Texan guys a bit. And to me, the you know Watson-Fuller or Watson-Cooks or Watson and Fuller and Cooks is a stack that is viable on any given week. I also think that David Johnson could potentially be an interesting play this week. He, he He's had – He's had the role so far this season. And, I mean, he hasn't been bad. He's actually shown a a pretty solid floor in terms of, you know, I mean, looking at his game log, 17, 14, 12, 11, 12. Like, it's not like he's out there putting up five points, but he he hasn't shown much of any upside yet. So maybe can attribute that to touchdown variance a bit. But, I mean, he's pretty much getting – 15 to 20 carries and two to four targets every week, which which is not a bad roll for, for 5,600 on DK and a, and a pretty good matchup here against Jacksonville. So, at first glance, I, I kind of like a, a David Johnson, Houston defense stack potentially.
1: Yeah. You'll get some good ownership on David Johnson most likely too. That's, that's a nice GPP call there. Uh, another thing we have to monitor, which should happen Sunday, But is Calvin Ridley going to be healthy? Uh, No one really knows yet. Atlanta's taking on Denver. 50 total for the game. Falcons are four-point favorites at home. Uh, Herbert just put up 30-plus on Denver. I'm curious what the public perception is of the Broncos' defense. They've been consistently pretty tough the last couple years, and they're just so injury-ridden that – maybe people are just seeing that you know the Broncos eh, like, yeah, I don't want to stack against the Broncos but if we're going to see even more of a Canenas target share if Ridley's out if Ridley's out I mean what's Julio's ownership going to be I, I don't know but I'm going to have some pretty significant interest if if Ridley's out and we're getting Julio Jones at home um, with Matt Ryan so just want to point that out there and that's some some pretty serious news we'll have to monitor heading into into Sunday also Hayden Hurst has really his snaps have been up the last four weeks now and I don't know what they were doing with him the first couple of weeks of the year and people said why did we sign or why did they sign him?" this and that the other thing but he is a significant part of this offense now so if you want to get you know contrarian I could maybe maybe endorse sign off on a Matt Ryan Hayden Hurst Julio type of situation here if if Ridley's out so I haven't heard anything TJ got anything on that game or anything on Ridley or, you know, what are your thoughts with what to do with that one?
2: Yeah, it seems like we're not going to know until a little bit later in the week on Ridley, still day-to-day at the moment. So we'll wait on that news. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, Julio seems to be back. I mean, I think that it was a little quick to – I don't think anyone was really – considering him washed by any means but last three weeks 10 9 and 10 targets eight eight seven catches went over 100 yards and what two of the games so 97 yards in the other one so I mean Julio's doing Julio things and if Ridley is out I think that only boosts his his market share and yeah I mean it's it's going to be an interesting week to see who kind of shakes out as the the popular wide receiver plays here because you've got you've got Julio Tyreek, Keenan Allen all kind of sitting right there all in reasonable enough matchups and game environments so it could be my, my guess is that in tournaments that it's not too heavily slanted ownership wise to, to one of those guys just with, with so many Pretty solid options at a, at a similar price, but definitely like Julio, and and I like the Hayden Hurst call too. I mean, especially now with with Kittle out, like we've been talking about a weak tight end pool of players all season, and now you've lost the the one A tight end in George Kittle, so it's just going to continue to be ugly. Obviously, we do have Travis Kelsey on the slate at tight end this week, but we're we're always looking for for value tight ends and, and Hurst at 4,100 is a, is a nice little call there. I like that.
1: You get a game environment. You got one more
2: guy there, Stephon Diggs in that range who hasn't seen any less than seven
1: targets since week three. John Brown, you know, come back from COVID a couple of weeks ago still hasn't really done anything. What do you do with Josh Allen? I mean, everybody, Seattle's the worst pass defense in the league in many statistical areas. I know he was your MVP futures bet in the first couple weeks of the year, 300 yards, 400 yards, 300 yards, 288 against the Raiders. So he played the Jets, the Dolphins, the Raiders, and the Rams. He healed up the Rams too, which is strange. And then since then, though, weeks five, six, seven, eight, he has four touchdowns and four picks. Titans, Chiefs, Jets, New England doesn't score against the Jets. Nothing. Like no no touchdowns didn't okay he had a rushing touchdown against New England what what's going on here? Is, did, did we jump the gun on Josh Allen it, what what's ha, what's happening is he is he good is Josh Allen good I, I'm so confused with Josh Allen and I'm so confused with what his ownerships going to be from week to week and now he get Seattle so like what are you doing
2: here a good question whether or not josh allen is good and it, <laughs> i mean I, I was i was very con- convinced that he was good after the first three four weeks now it's like ah, maybe he is what we thought he was in that you know he's obviously very good when he's running the ball but maybe not so good throwing the ball but i mean i really i like this spot a lot this week in tournaments for josh allen stacks i think that I mean, Seattle continues to get eaten up every single week. I was I was looking at, uh, I don't have the number off my head, but when I was writing my GPP article last week, I think it was like, see, the games with Seattle are averaging like 65 points every week. Something it was something outrageous, and I, I mean, obviously Seattle's going to put up their points. I, I really, you know, Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs and John Brown's all the way down at forty six hundred now. Now, granted, like you said, he had the whole COVID thing, hasn't done much of anything since. But for larger field tournaments, I mean, forty six hundred John Brown is is super super cheap. If you want to go with a, an Allen and Diggs and Brown kind of stack, and then and then run it back with one of the Seattle receivers. But I mean, J- Josh Allen's always still going to have have that floor and upside from from the rushing, right? I mean, even these past couple of weeks, he, he's still 10, 11 attempts, still gotten to the end zone once on the ground. So I think that he'll come in at at pretty low ownership would be my guess, especially when people can just pay 600 more and, and get Russ in that same game. But uh, I, I like Allen dig stacks, and I think they'll come in at pretty low ownership this week.
1: Uh, I'm with you. I, you know, recency bias works in, in many ways. And this could be one of them. And if Josh Allen's just carving bad defenses and not playing well against good ones, well, he got a pretty bad one. You got a pretty bad one right here. Pretty bad defense, pass defense right in front of you in this current week. So definitely worth a look there. I definitely wanted to, to mention Diggs. Regardless of what you play, sure. I think I think he's in play. Um, and it should be interesting. You know, like definitely look at that news. Is Matt Milano going to play? Is Tredarius White going to play? On the Bills side of the ball defensively, just similar things to monitor. So that game totals 54, two and a half point spread. Seahawks traveling across the country to come east. Could be uh, an interesting game. we got like, what, eight or 10 minutes left here. So we've covered a lot of games. So we only actually be able to get through this slate for the most part. Ravens, Colts, I won't have a ton of interest here, but Mark Ingram missed Sunday. We saw J.K. Dobbins, who is. Most likely going to be the future of this backfield, you would think. 113 yards against the Steelers. Pretty nice kind of uh, entrance party for J.K. Dobbins, CJ.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He'll be someone to to keep keep an eye on. I mean, Baltimore has been an interesting team for me this year because they're just – they don't seem to be producing from a fantasy standpoint the way that – that we were expecting, or that we're accustomed to. I saw something about Marquise Brown being frustrated with his role. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's not putting up the numbers that that he was putting up last year. But yeah, J.K. Dobbins a little bit of a bright spot there, going for over a hundred yards. So, someone to to keep an eye on there. And then I think uh, on the other side of the ball had some funky stuff going on with the Colts backfield. Every time you saw someone scoring, it was not Jonathan Taylor. Taylor Taylor only played, I'm pulling up the snaps here. Here we go. 51% of the snaps for Jordan Wilkins, 34% for Taylor, 21% for Hines. So I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know. I, I did not see that coming. I thought that, Taylor had been showing, I mean, he was literally increasing his snap count every single week Then they go on a buy and then they come back and he has the least snaps he's seen all season long. So I think that backfield is just going to be one to, to avoid for the most part. And I, I think in general at this, I don't have the most love for this Baltimore indie game. I think there's better spots to, to look towards this week in general.
1: And now, and now Taylor's hurt. We don't. I didn't bring it up in the beginning of the show. I didn't. I don't know. Oh, is that the, why he
2: didn't play? Did he get hurt?
1: I don't know the extent of it. But after the game, Frank Rake said he has a, a quote bit of an ankle oh, I injury. Did see that. So, even with the higher volume for Wilkins or maybe Hines, that's that's a tough matchup. So, uh, Hines is a guy who might have been in a couple milli teams somewhere who broke the slate potentially. A guy who was on nobody's radar shouldn't be at this point. He had that week one blow-up game. But uh since then he only had double-digit DK points once. So naturally he had three catches. Two of them were for touchdowns, because that's the way DFS football works sometimes. Marvin Jones had two touchdowns on three catches. Naeem Hines had two touchdowns on three catches. Devontae Adams had three touchdowns on five catches. So you want to talk about, you know, volatility and variance. Sometimes you don't know who's crossing the line. And I know Giovanni Bernard was a pretty popular play again, and he got vultured at the one by Michael Piran against the Titans. So it's just the name of the game. Sometimes who comes in and, and vultures the scores or who makes the most of a handful of volume that they get. And that's the brutal nature of, of DFS football. Um, yeah, a couple minutes left here. We have the Giants and the football team, but since the Giants uh, didn't, you know, don't play until Monday night, who knows what could happen by then. We don't really want to get too much into that. Um, so, keep you know, tuned to the Roto-Grinders wow. team throughout the rest of the week, uh, and they'll update you on everything. You know, our premium stuff is amazing. You know, check it out, including TJ's GPP article right up every week. Um, one more game, which might be the last one, is saving the best for last. Chicago Bears the Tennessee Titans and I will tell you this I will tell you this if Desmond King doesn't come to the team and I know he pretty much plays the slot by Sunday with COVID and testing I don't know if he will be active and if Adoree Jackson is still out I will be playing Allen Robinson anywhere everywhere anywhere and everywhere whatever I can do props whatever I can find Allen Robinson I'm playing him because if I have to see one more week of Chris Jackson and Jonathan Joseph I'm going to gouge my eyes out and look at the pass charts look what Roethlisberger did Everything was outside the numbers. Deontay Johnson, even Juju had a game. Everything outside, outside, quick throws. It's terrible. It's terrible. So Allen Robinson can clear concussion protocol, came in at a really nice ownership against the Saints, had a pretty nice game. Um, and as long as Dory Jackson's out, I like Allen Robinson, and I can't see him being like uber popular. So that's just my big takeaway from that game I wanted to bring up. And I am a Titans fan, and I am telling you, to push the Allen Robinson button this week. What are your thoughts?
2: I like it. I like it. Great call-out on the matchup there. It doesn't take a lot to convince me to play Allen Robinson just because I think he's good, and I think that he's one of those guys that has a pretty locked-in target share with the Bears. So I'm all for all for that. And, I mean, you know, this is another one. Like, will this be one of those weeks where large field GPPs, big dog, Derrick Henry is, like, under 10% owned? So if you want to get, uh, you know, in some larger field stuff, I think that Henry can score 35 points against anyone, regardless of matchup. So if uh, in larger field stuff, if you want to pivot off of a Dalvin Cook onto a Derrick Henry, I think that that is certainly viable to do.
1: I think you make a good point. Uh, it's definitely possible. And I mean, you get in the red zone, you know, the other guy's getting looks too. That's the thing. Like, he's one of the guarantees. We're going to try to get him in the end zone because he's hard to stop kind of guys that are left in the NFL. So, yeah, like calls? they'll just
2: give him the ball no matter what. It doesn't really seem to matter. Like, Derrick Henry's touching the ball 25 times every single week. I think. One, one
1: of the only teams that runs the Wildcat once in a while for him. <laughs> Remember when the Wildcat came in the league and the Browns were so bad that they're like Josh Cribbs, you're just gonna start taking snaps and and then just running with the football and for like three years the Wildcat was like ran probably by every team at least once a week to some capacity. That was gone. Like that was a quick fad, <laughs> quick fad, quick fad. Anything else, TJ? Before we get out of here, anything you want to bring up or anything we didn't cover? Let me hear it, man. What do you got? Anything good?
2: I think we touched on on the majority of it. I Think. This is a pretty interesting slate coming up. A lot of a lot of games where it's pretty evenly matched teams with, with some hires total. So I, I think that again, continue with the game stacks. Showed again this week. Game stacks are, are what we're taking taking down GPPs for some folks. So um and and late swap. Keep keep late swap in mind. Like I said, I'm gonna be doing some some internal reflection on, on late swap and how I can can make sure that I'm making the most of that in my personal games that I'm playing. But uh, just thought that this week was a good reminder that that's an aspect of DFS that maybe we all aren't taking the most advantage of, right? It's nice to set your lineup and then sit down at one o'clock and, and just watch the games. But if we really want to be maximizing our chances, we need to always be considering Late swaps based on how our guys are doing so far, based on ownership percentage we've seen, based on how other guys' teams are doing. So, I'll just I think we kind of started with that, and I, and I'll finish with that too. Is that late swap is a a key part of the daily fantasy game that, that doesn't get probably as much as attention, myself included, as it should.
1: Especially for NFL, uh, for for sport yep. like NBA, it's a necessity. And there right, was a point yes, in t- that's true. There was a point in time where FanDuel was not running late slot for NBA, and everybody said, well, we're not playing because NBA is crazy with news. And uh, some people just think NFL, lock in your line, let it rip, have a, have a fun Sunday. If you start off bad, you're kind of screwed, but that's not always the case. You know, like you said, you can swap to a 2% guy in the 4 o'clock game that goes for 50, which sounds crazy, but – Is this the, this might be the first time, and I don't even know when. I'd like to see the numbers somewhere on Twitter land where we back to back weeks with with a 50 point score that that wasn't a quarterback. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah,
2: it is. It is. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, then if you just don't have those guys in your lineup, like obviously you're not, forget it. You're not going to win a tournament. So forget it. Yeah. And that's why I think it's really, as you're building tournament lineups, I'm really trying to identify guys that have that crazy type of ceiling because like you said in today's nfl that is obviously a a very much more offensively focused nfl whether it's because of the the teams the coachings or the the rule changes whatever it may be more points are being scored and we need to to do what we can to try and identify these spots where people can just break out and, and completely you know be a must have on a given slate
1: Good stuff, TJ. As always, I appreciate it. Where can the people find you on Twitter? You
2: can find me on Twitter, at TJL5124DFS. GPP article will be dropping again on Friday. You can check that out as well. We've, Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't have a 100% hit rate on the GPPs, but I do feel like I've had someone – I've read up six guys every week, and I feel like I've always had at least one person. Like, I had the DK Metcalf play this week. Now, granted, I also had Jonathan Taylor, which is a complete bust. So, But I think it's worth, you know, taking a look at and and understanding that it's not a lock that all six of those are, are going to be smash plays. But like I said, I try to identify those guys I think can have the mega ceilings. And uh, hopefully I get some right again this week.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, hit the subscribe button. Give us a like. Give us some feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate it. We want to hear some of your input. What do you want to hear? DM us some questions for next week's podcast. We'll be happy to answer them. For TJ Lasig and the rest of the Roto Grinders team, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck and have a good week.